Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Got Matt and Tim. Watch this fancy stuff here. Oh yeah, we got little name tags. Um, just I'm only the, the co-host. Yeah, I need a better <laughs> title. What would you like your title to be, Tim? Muckety Muck. We can make that happen. The co Muckety Muck. <laughs> you want, or you want the Muckety Muck? Need I even ask? I'm sorry for insulting you, but uh, today we're going to talk about what it looks like to die to yourself. Basically. I mean, it's going to be more involved than that, but I mean, it's, we're going to dig into some passages of scripture that, that talk about the mortification. We're going to bring back an old word, old word. King Jimmy, uh, mortification yeah. of, of ourselves. So come back, stay with us. We'll see you in just a minute. Okay. Actually, this isn't live. I wasn't even going to tell them. I mean, it's live right now yeah. where we're sitting, but come tomorrow, <laughs> it's not going to be live because yeah. we had to pre-record. So if we don't do answer your questions or if you have oh, comments, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's it's not because we're ignoring you. Um, it's because we didn't see them yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll respond later. We're trying to think like we're in the future, but we don't succeed very well. Um, Man, we're going to talk about, you know, as we talk all the time you know, about you know, we talk about kingdom vision, what it looks like, and you know, kind of a lot of thoughts cross my mind of what does that look like? Or, I mean, church culture in general is is constantly looking for how are we supposed to do this thing? How are we supposed to walk with the Lord? What do I need to do? Um, I was even with one of my kids the other day. I was talking about something, and he was asking me a question, and he wasn't like he was do anything nefarious or anything, but I, I use it as a moment of like, okay, see what, what he, cause what he asked me was, is what exactly am I allowed to do? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I want to break you from that idea. And I said, I, I, the right question, the better question would be, what is it that is my goal? What are you intending from me? Yeah. Um, because I know kids, where's my boundary. I get right up to it. You know, I need, and that's the way Christians do. So what, what God calls us to is to die. Well, and I would expound on that just a little bit. That was the idea. Well, you tell somebody what to do, or you give them a, a marker, so to speak, and they get to that part. Now, if you have a natural rebellious attitude, I guess, if authority steps in and you automatically start bristling up, and then you're going to tell me what to do. Those kind of people will come up to that line and they'll get right to the edge and just go, I'm not going to get to the rest of the way just because you told me to do it. So, so that's a, <laughs> I can do it, but I ain't just because you told me. Then you got the other ones. They're fairly compliant. Uh, they'll, they'll do it and they're finished. All, all uh, responsibility, therefore, anything after that doesn't even exist. And so that's kind of the line where I'm, this affects me. Uh, because when God is, is what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, working out. There's another word, a fancier word for that. Uh, Sanctifying. 
or regenerating. Oh, yes. Okay. Sanctifying, regenerating is kind of the same thing. There's always another step and the willingness to do that. So you can get up to that marker and think, oh man, that was, that was rough. What's next? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I say that not in a negative sense. Uh, so let's read a couple of scriptures here that'll where help you, give context. You well, you know, that's a... You want to start that's with Colossians? A, that's a good... You know what? Let's do the Matthew 9. All right, I got that one. Yeah. Um, so, I wonder how my glasses... But... Actually read... Uh... So Matthew 9, here's a scenario. John the Baptist's disciples show up. Yeah. And they start going, how come your guys aren't fasting like the rest of us do in the times we're supposed to be doing it? And fasting was not a joyous time. That was usually mean yeah. you were you were getting serious about something. And in their tradition, and I'll, that's probably the right word. Yeah. They're they're I'm supposed to be serious and you know, and you may go through it genuinely, right? You're going right. to pass those kind of things. But they're seeing that Jesus's guys aren't doing it. And it's almost like we're watching you, but you also got to remember at this point, John the Baptist's ministry had stopped and they'd been following John the Baptist's disciples. Right. Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden, and I don't know, say their future went away all of a sudden. So they're dazed, confused, and probably a little irritated. So they come and ask Jesus this question, and this is what he says. So then John the John's disciples came to him saying, we're in verse 14 of Matthew 9. Yeah. Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not? Jesus said to them, can the wedding guest be sad while the groom is with them? Because, like you said, fasting was a it was a somber occasion yeah. in their tradition. Okay, there would be like sackcloth and ashes kind of a thing. I mean, it was just like very, very focused. The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one patches an old garment with unshrunk cloth, because the patch pulls away from the garment and makes the tear worse. No one puts new wine into old wine skins; otherwise, the skins burst. The wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. No, they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. <laughs> wow. Um, so this all kind of ties into stuff we've been talking about over time as well. So, right. You know, we had the conversation about uh, uh, reading the scriptures differently, seeing what's really going on there kingdom-wise. Uh, and that's we're going to talk about some of that. So now we're going to read, you had the Second Corinthians 5.17, right? Um, I can get it. Well, you knew it yeah. by heart. But... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That was Second Corinthians 5.17. King James Version from the old days. Yeah. If you're a real Christian, you know how to do it. Hey, King James. Hey, now. <laughs> I can't. Um, so say it one more time. If any man be in Christ, he is a slow new... down. If any man be in Christ, well, you told me to slow down. Well, you're doing it because you memorize it and you say it a thousand times. That's so true. It comes out at Fair five thousand miles an hour. So, back up just a little. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think that's the way it reads. Yeah. So then we're also going to read uh, Colossians three five. You got that one. Yeah. 
Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. So what does that mean with uh, John's disciples and their conversation with Jesus on that thing? So, uh, now remember, God is eternal, so he addresses everything from that perspective. And that's kind of when Jesus tells parables. He's speaking from an eternal mindset, and that's why he said you only get these things if the Lord shows them to you. Mm -hmm. That's deep all by itself, but... Uh, so he's got these guys that are coming up and they're a little in their whatever frustrated state they're in and Jesus answers their question on that. And so just the practical side of that, uh, nowadays we have materials that don't really shrink or anything much, so it doesn't really apply. Yeah. But if you got an old cotton shirt and you get a brand new piece of cotton and you sew it on there and you throw it in the washing machine a couple of times or whatever, that new piece is going to start shrinking. And when it does, it's going to rip the shreds because the other shirt's not shrinking anymore. Right. Right? Uh, and then the new wine and wine skins. I don't know enough about wine to know it, but I know it, I guess it expands or whatever it does in fermentation process. And they pour new wine into uh, an old skin that has had wine in it before and it's they've symbionically done whatever they've done yeah the tannins it's the tannins and stuff starts interacting with the with the leather pouches so when you put the new stuff in it it's still generating and building and doing and the container is not doing that anymore and so it bursts burst it out and you lose the skin and the wine that's what it's saying they both go they both go so what does that mean in in our daily saved walk with the lord well, that's pretty, some of it's pretty academic and understandable. Uh, maybe you got a smart mouth or you cuss a lot or something like that, and the Spirit is let you see what that really is, if that makes sense. Uh, and I'm trying to use things simple. Uh, and so some people have miraculous healings. You hear about drunkards and drug addicts and things like that just to have something that everybody thinks is a great miracle and they get convicted or whatever it is and, and they and they literally are that craving is gone yeah uh and that can happen in any context but on the where he says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling that is because you've been saved and you've got the new new wine as it were yeah call it the new wine uh that's been put in you but there's still the way that you want to do things and be things and have we that's would, the old garment we would call those like your your fleshly desires and not necessarily like fleshly in the sense of lust or anything but just the man-made way of doing things yeah man-centered way of doing things so here in uh in colossians so on the in Corinthians, it says you've been made a new creature. That's a literal statement, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, when you receive the Spirit of the Lord and you're saved, to use church terminology, He's based, He has put you in the same condition that you should have been in before the fall, Adam and Eve, before everything went south. Now you're in the same condition, and your relationship with Him is that, that instantaneous that good 
you have that kind of access. But in our old self, we don't even know how to deal with all that stuff, right? right. Uh, and so he's done all the work. You're a, you, you've been made new. But because of the fall and things like that, you're stuck with the old stuff. So now we're working our salvation out with fear and trembling. So in, in Colossians, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead. So if you wanted to imagine it, what you look at in the mirror, that's the old part. And the new part's on the inside. This is a bad analogy, but I'm just trying to see the difference. So it's dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Forget about the idolatry part. All the things in you that you get riled up about over something. So you may have been worked out things with God on certain attitudes and things like that, sometimes painfully, but you see it and you want to respond and you do it. That, that's the working out part, right? And that's all he's talking about doing. It's continuing here. It's and that never stops. That's where a lot of us get lost in the academic, simple thought of being a Christian. And then we find out later that not not much later, but soon, I still have all these cravings and desires and evil things, and I even pursue them sometimes. So this must not be right. Well, that never stops in this life. Right. And you gotta be okay with that. And God makes it that way on purpose. Don't understand how it's going to be in the new world when all that comes, but somehow or another that makes a difference if we will battle it and face it and contend with it here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so he's asking you to fight that fight, and he's equipped you with the ability to do it. I can't remember where else in the scripture, but it says that you can say no to sin, basically, yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. Uh, you go, no, it didn't. Cause I say no all the time, but I turn around and do it anyway. Or even to, to go along those lines is it's first Corinthians uh, 10, 13. There is no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. Yeah. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Now that's where people get that and they go, he won't give you more than you can handle. Yeah, that's <laughs> not a, what it means. That's a big misinterpretation. He's saying here. that there's no temptation to sin that is not compatible because he will make a way of escape for it, which is the power of the Holy Spirit through prayer, through, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's the whole thing about it is temptation doesn't come from without. Everybody thinks that, oh, so-and-so tempted me to do something. That is not what no. James says. James says that temptation comes from the desires of my flesh. Yes. And so if we're not willing, as these texts talk about, to put those desires of my flesh to death, they are the things, if I let them live, they are the things that grow into temptation, that grow into sin, that grow into destruction. And so that's why he calls us to mortify those things. And on a, here's the deeper part. So we've talked about Jesus walking on this earth, Hebrews 5, said that he had to do that too. Right. So he's not asking you to do something that he did not do himself. Right. So that's one part. It's the deeper things later on, especially if you've been in the Christian life for a while, say do church and whatever. You're doing, in your head anyway, you're, you're serving and doing, and, and all that's good. Nothing wrong with all that. But remember, sanctification doesn't come 
in an instant. Right. And that's 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 not salvation. That's a whole different duck. So you've been saved, you've accepted, God's revealed himself, you've responded, and and immediately you 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 actively want to change and be different and those kind of things. And there's there's some transformation there. It's always later on. This is the personal part that I remember. So I've been in ministry a long time. I've even told God I'm done with you. I'm not going to do it for a while. Come back around. What I find is, is that there's things that I think, and I think I'm thinking kingdomly. Yeah. Can't think of any right off the top of my head. But maybe there's somebody I don't like or a group of people that do things that I don't like. And I may even say, you know what, don't deal with that kind of stuff because it makes you evil. And I'm really putting some stuff into it here just for the conversation. And I believe that God says, yeah, you're thinking right. You're righteous in that regard. And then somewhere down the road, <laughs> I end up having to face that. And he shows me that is not my attitude toward those people or how that kind of works. And you need to start seeing it different. Right. Those are the ones where you go, because, and so here's here's what I was getting at with that word mortify. What do the other versions say? So Put to death. So, yeah, so the King James says it, mortify. This is in Colossians 3. So the New American Standard says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality. The dead to part is where they got mortify in the front. So the original Greek, that word is actually in the front. Right. And what mortify means is dead. It's a little different version of dead. So as you start following that out, mortify means to almost shame something to death. Yeah. And that's the point. You see it in yourself. And when you go, oh, man, I'm, I can't believe I even thought that away, for instance. Or... Or and <laughs> you'd be going, all these people that I've been around all this time and they know how I think, man, I'm gonna be embarrassed and, and you may be willing to take the embarrassment, but still there's that emotion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what's happening. God's mortifying this thing. Because that action is like the new piece of material sewn on the old material or the new wine put into the old skin. And we read in Matthew where it's like, oh, we don't want to do that. That's true. But I'm going to tell you, God's going to do it to you. Mm. Well, <laughs> he's going to take the old, let's just say if you had a shirt, he's going to take the old shirt off you. And then he's going to give you the new shirt to put on. And it's and, and, and the shirt being represented, all that old stuff that makes up who you are. Because religion, little r, pure not pure but i mean but but basic just the ideas and tenets of religion are about conformity yeah but he's in the business of transformation oh yeah that is a that's, that's a, a good, huge difference because yeah. he's not just going to take this old kind of the message he's not going to take this old tattered shirt and fix it up with old tattered stuff or even new stuff because that's what we do with religion we take these old tattered shirt that is our life and our way of doing things and the way we think and we try to put put lipstick on the pig as it were <laughs> yeah. and he says no i'm gonna make it something different second corinthians five seventeen, you're not wearing that anymore stop trying to patch something that doesn't even exist anymore 
you you're you're new and you're different does that make does that make sense oh yeah it makes sense and what you have to understand is also is, is on like on the wine skin analogy the wine is the spirit and he doesn't pour it into old wine skins right he pours it into a new wine skin but we're looking at it and going oh no we're gonna sin or do something and we're not going to be good anymore, and that's going to be the wine's going to be wasted. God doesn't waste anything. Yeah, you never waste anything. So you are a new creation, right? He's made that, and He's made it so that you could be a new creation, that you can stand just like Adam and Eve did before the fall did. That's the access. That's what you have. But the old stuff that's in you. You know, we wouldn't have had the old stuff if that if we could have lived before then, but we have it because of Adam. Yeah. Don't look back and get angry, all that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. Accept the fact and be be joyful of the thing that that man, I can and you can watch Paul after his conversion. <laughs> he's like, Oh wretched man that I am. <laughs> I think when he said that. He wasn't like going, oh, oh, wretched man that I am. He was going, oh, wretched man that I am. Because he knows it's dead and it's done and it's gone away with. He doesn't care. Yeah. Lord, if you have to rip a hole in me to make me see right, rip a hole in Let's do it. So it's a joyful process. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's not painful, but it's joyful because you know the end product. And, you know, you look in that, that text about John's disciples and asking, you know, about why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Ties back to the thing that we talk about all the time, the shadow versus the reality. Yeah. You know, the fasting before Jesus was very specific examples. Religious practice. For them, it was fasting in this instance, but religious practice was a shadow of the reality. Well, and Jesus was saying... Why would they live in the shadow while the light is here? The reality is here. The thing that it's pointing to is walking with them. Once I'm gone, once the reality is gone, as it were, they're going to fast because the reality has gone. Yeah. And, and there'll, be, there'll be some of that. And so you made a statement before we, we started this deal was that, you know, even the Apostle Paul saved out of Judaism when he went go into synagogues he would still kind of perform the rituals of, of the past. He would engage in the shadow. Give it homage, I think, is the word that you used. Because those things in and of themselves are not bad. They're not. Yeah. They're just incomplete because they're the shadow. And what Colossians, I think, is, is really bringing us into is quit trying to spend all your time to repair the shadow, to repair yeah. that old skin. Yeah because you don't have an old skin anymore. And, and it's not like he's saying, fix your wine skin up so that I can put new wine in it. Because that's what a lot of people read that's that the way as. they read it. And he's like, no, 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 you, you misunderstand. I don't put new wine in old skins. Second Corinthians five seventeen. <laughs> yeah. I only put new wine in new skins. I only put my spirit in new creations. Yes. And so, right. The regeneration process goes from death to life. The spirit indwells the new creation. But we don't see that all the time. 
Yeah. We can't, we, we're blinded to it for some, because of our own self and our own desires of, to keep our old stuff. And so we're like, oh, my wineskin is so old and so tattered. I'm going to, you know, it, it's, it's not going to make it. Or look at this tattered garment that I have. I've got this new religious practice now, my quiet time, and I'll put that on there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, I'm or, only laughing. I'm not laughing at people. Like that. I mean, that's, you know, or in, in, in my early ministry, it was, it was like, it was my, well, I'm, I'm going to put my King James only on this hole, yeah. or I'm going to put my, my no rock music, or, I mean, those were some old school kind of traditions, but well, fill but in the blank for what it is. All those same things happen now. Yeah. You can be walking well, but don't misunderstand me. Well, we try to do something really good and it's not, or at least in my experience, it's not uncommon. I walk up to God and I go, look what I did for you. <laughs> yeah. And he's going, you didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I get insulted. <laughs> I've been working. Why? You know, when I was down in Mexico, I probably had visions that if I did everything right and I obeyed him and I followed him along, you know, I was going to have this big famous ministry and people are going to be throwing money at us and blah, 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 blah. And fast forward two or three years into that, we had to come back into the United States. Long story, can't get into all the issues of it, but I mean, we weren't just broke. Yeah, we were I remember. broke. <laughs> you know what's bad when the people you go down to minister to in a poor neighborhood give you money because they see you're hurting so bad. In a third world country, no third less. world, yeah. Out in the boonie, my, third my world. My papa used to say I had to reach up to touch the bottom of the snake's belly. That's how low it was. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The Lord was working something out in all of that. Yeah. Now I can see it. But at the time, it made me mad at him. I remember and that day. <laughs> it, it, it was tough, and you I, know? And I, I mean... And, and I, I was holding on to that. That, that. that was a piece of, you need to look like this so that I'll know I was successful doing what you wanted. Well, and, and we would have conversations back in the days. I remember those days, and and we do this for each other as part of our friendship that's that I think that makes it so close is I'd be on the other end of the phone and be going, Tim, you can't look at it that way. You know, that's not the truth. You, you know, you're listening to the enemy and like, you need to shore up because Tim's a Marine and you can talk to him pretty hard. And, uh, and, uh, and I would be like, you know, that's not the truth. And he'd be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, but I've been in the same seat, you know, yeah. God working junk out and, and, righteous indignation towards god believe it or not yeah you know I can recognize that and 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 but i have i mean it's it's matthew 7 but didn't we but it's even with a different twist because it would be true didn't i give up this god i i moved my family to this place we followed you in the ministry we've done everything you know yes. and get upset with him and at some degree, all of that's trying to put patches on that old shirt. And all the while, he was like, hey, doofus, you don't even have that shirt anymore. And I would tell you the interaction, he expects you to think, well, if we did it perfect, that 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 difficulty wouldn't be there. Mm. And that's that's not right. No. He said, but how do I do it so I don't have the difficulty? That's a natural question. I get that. Can't answer it. Yeah. I, I don't know that the difficulty is thing to be avoided, though. Well, but that's how what we do. We try to avoid pain all the time. And, uh, well, and it, 
says that Jesus had to suffer these kind of things too. So, I mean, we keep saying that, but it's important to remember that in focus functions. So what's the opposite re uh, way to respond to that? So everything we say, it sounds negative and it's tough and I don't really want to go through all that. That's when you're seeing the things that they are and you're fighting with, and you may be going, trying to see, well, is it bad or is it not bad? I don't really know what's happening here. That's where you're having to look God in the face. I think he does those on purpose because that's where you got to stare at. You're not going to get an answer anywhere else. And then you get Paul. So we use him as a successful model, so to speak, after conversion, right? And so, I mean, this guy has been tattered, beat, and all this kind of stuff. And the longer he goes, the more upbeat he is about everything. <laughs> to where he almost gets to the point, he's like, show me something else that's wrong so I can suffer for it. Not like a weird, like a, you know, I gotta suffer for it to make it right. He ain't looking like it that, it, looking like that, that way at all because he... He's come to a place to where he's just like, well, <laughs> and it's, it's, I use the scripture where it says where Jesus, but for the glory that lay before him, he endured the cross is you come to a place and man, it just, the reality that I'm not there yet visits me often. Mm, yeah. But the striving is to come to a place to where it's not about avoiding hardship or, getting blessing that's a narrow view of the kingdom to say do just right and you'll get blessing or don't do wrong and you'll avoid hardship not even that it's there's not there may be truth in those things but they're not preeminent it ends up being doctrine and we look at exactly. doctrine as if i do it then everything's going to work like this doctrine and kingdom movement are sometimes completely different yeah from and, and sometimes they look the same yeah. And so it's hard to decipher what we see the apostle Paul in a place to where the avoidance of pain and suffering was irrelevant. Yes. Is inconsequential or the presence of blessing to some degree was irrelevant. irrelevant. The only thing that was relevant was the commander's intent. Yes. The only thing that he cared about was I've got to go to Rome and I may have to go through some shipwrecks and a snake bite and three weeks at sea and these idiots that are with me whatever it is so be it i'm gonna be shackled for two years to a guard in a rented house in my own dime so be it uh, the commander's intent was to take me to rome and and he grew to that and that's yeah, part of what i'm trying yeah. to tell you on this thing you're not shamed because you have to go through this stuff and some of you may regress i, I know i have and i have to go through it again but uh the point of it is is that uh, my brain just shut off. I don't know where you were going. Well, the point of it is Paul. Oh, uh, uh, we, we think if, you know, we're looking at Paul, but Paul, you, you can see where he started and there was this building. Yeah. And what Paul could do here, he's going to Rome. He knows that's the mission. He's been shipwrecked and messed up and stormed and this stupid venomous snake jumps out and bites him in the hand and it says he just kind of shook the thing off and he kept doing what he was doing if that same thing would have happened 15 years before that he might have been going oh man i got snake bit i don't know that i can complete my mission <laughs> so well, god knows that journey and his blindness was a good example of that hmm. he got struck blind at the on the road to damascus and it demoralized him 
Yeah. I don't know that it would have demoralized him at the end of the journey. It would have right. just been like, oh, look, another piece. You know, you see the same kind of transformation in Peter. Look at Peter of the Gospels yeah. and Peter of the Epistles, First and Second Peter. <sighs> Different dude. And yeah. then somewhere in the middle, you got, what is it, Galatians, whatever it is, where Peter withstands him to his face, or Paul oh, withstands yeah. him to his face because he was getting back into that old thing. So, you know, we're like, oh, once I finally figure this out, I'm not going to slide back into those old patterns or not. Well, Peter did. And that's a good example of mortifying the flesh. Yeah. Paul called him out right in front of God and everybody. And it was and, shamed to death. Yes, shamed to death. And I guarantee you, Peter took it. Yeah. And and the, the whole thing about that, if you read that, was because Peter was not just doing it himself. He was leading the brethren in it. He was leading Barnabas. And yeah, Barnabas was, was like, deep. Barnabas was like the solid, you know, guy on, on campus. <laughs> and even Barnabas was slipping. So Paul was like, dude, stop it. Yeah. And I think Peter took that on the chops. And I think he mortified it because you can see that in his writings in the in the. First that's where I was making to go because that's a that's an honest question. How do you know he did? Read he was a lot Peter. older when he wrote those books, and I guarantee you, he learned it and he was he welcomed it. Yeah, and and so mortifying your flesh, you know, we were talking about that, and 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 it lists all those things, but dying to yourself. Uh, we got to we got to wrap up, but. I always want to, to end on something, okay, practical. What, what does that look like? I can't tell you, but I can tell you what it looks like for me, okay? Um, I'm wired in a certain way in a lot of different areas. Everybody is. Everybody's got a bend or a wiring or a personality bend, fill in the blank. Um, I can remember as a kid being told by my, my basketball coaches that I was high strong, whatever that meant. <laughs> you and think? I, and well, and you know, they'd be like, you're high strung. And my response would be, no, I'm not, you know, and which <laughs> prove it, you know, which is a high strung response. And, um, and I'm also a very passionate person, especially over injustice or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, I just get livid about things and I'm Irish. And so it's, it's all just wound up in there and it's extremely easy for me to, to twist off and, and even over a righteous function, I may be right in the principle. It's just easy for me. So, but dying and mortifying that in me is finding the ability to crush that, that, that bend that's in me. Yeah. Um, the self-righteousness that comes with that. And basically you're making, that's where God's asking you to give up the right to yourself. Give up the right to yourself. And that's why I'm telling you, it comes in pieces over time. He doesn't, it doesn't get all cleaned out at once because that's something you have to hand over. Yeah. That's not something he's going to take. And you get to make that choice. Yeah. Uh, and you know what the right choice is, but that's how you know, oh, I got something in here that's right. obviously needs to be worked on. And it can be quick. It can seem embarrassing. It can, I mean, all the gamuts of what it takes to let that thing go and how people may see it or deal with it or judge you or whatever that is. In the end, are you working at it between what the Lord's showing you about yourself and how to do that? Because he's got, he's, he's not doing that just because. 
Right. There is. There's transformation. There's person. There's purpose in that. Because our, our his goal with us is not to make us religious. It's to make us the very image of Christ. Yes. And he's serious about that business. Yeah. Um, I encourage you practically get you a Tim Gandy, and and by that I mean yeah, carefully what you choose. But I mean by that I mean get you somebody. I've got a Tim Gandy, a Josh Ott, and I could say Bruce Thomas. I could go down the list of probably yeah. a half a dozen or eight guys that when they see those bins, that stuff coming up, they'll, they'll call me on it. And Tim does it all the time. We'll be having a conversation and I'll just be upset about something. He's like, well, that's, that's just something you're going to have to deal with. And I'm like, time out. I was over here trying to get <laughs> some sympathy and somebody, you know, to feel my pain. And he's just like no quarter, you know, that's, that's that old you. And I'm like, dad gun it, you know, but, but it's part of the process, you know, um, if you're married, your spouse will do that for you a lot oh, of times yeah. if they're walking with the Lord. Yeah. They don't, no one knows you like your spouse. You yeah. know? And no one has the freedom to speak to you like your spouse. You know. And so what does it look like to do that? First of all, I would say remember 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are a new creation. You are yes. not an old wineskin, and you are not a tattered-up old shirt. You're new, and he is not wasting his new wine on an old skin. So there's just a truth to believe in that and to keep telling yourself. Um, and then part of the process is identifying those things in you that need to die. And he'll help you identify them. It's just how you're going to make the journey through them. Yeah. That's where the big function happens. And then it kind of, you know what? I don't know how to tell you to do that. I t stare in the face of the Lord. Yeah. We, we always talk about that. And that just sometimes looks like getting alone in prayer and asking him, I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, I know yeah. there's stuff in me that needs to die. You told me in John 16, the spirit would lead me into all truth. That doesn't just mean biblical interpretation. That means show me in my own heart what needs to die. And I'm willing to deal with it. Maybe wobbly need, but <laughs> I'm willing to do it. Well, I think that's part of what is it? Psalm 46 that talks about strengthening the weak knees. And there's another passage that talks about your arms are dangling and your knees are weak. And it's like you're plodding along is this idea. And Hebrews 12 just blatantly tells you. Yeah. Strengthen the knees that are feeble. That's and, the, that's the Hebrews 12. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's kind of part of the reason he knows that it's going to be hard for us. Yeah. And even to the <laughs> point of in the scripture that says he was tempted in every way that we have been tempted without sin. It's not like he's like, Oh, I've been through that before. It's, 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 oh man, you're right. That's tough. I remember that. Yeah. It's that kind of a feeling of, he's like, yeah, but, but it's going to be okay. We got to, we got to walk through this. Yeah. I was taking Brenna, I'll, I'll close and I was taking Brenna back in from her little playroom into the house the other day and she doesn't like to go. Once we get somewhere, she wants to stay there. So the transitions are always tough. So I've got her up under the arms, you know, and she's trying to throw herself down. She doesn't want to walk, you know, and I'm like, but we've got to go in. And there was lightning everywhere. I was like, we got to get in the house. Like it's, you know, it was in that little lightning storm. And, and, and it was a good picture of it really wasn't fun for either one of us, yeah. but we had to get from A to B. And so I'm there encouraging, come on, you can do this. Let's keep moving. And with her, you kind of got to, if you go fast enough, she doesn't have time to squat down on you. So <laughs> you just kind of keep going and she kind of gives in after a while. And yeah. then we get to where we're going. It's, it's kind of like that in a sense that he's right there with us. It's not like he's pushing us out 
and abandons us. He's right there with us, sitting in the ashes, as it were. Yeah. And good analogy. And so, as we mortify and as we we die to ourselves, I want to encourage you that this side of heaven is probably not going to stop, <laughs> but it will get. No, but it can get. When I say better, it doesn't yeah. mean it's going to let off and not happen, but your perspective changes a and, lot. And the joy in it begins to, to build, and you begin to, like yeah. Paul, look forward to it because you know the joy that it brings in your relationship. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know if that was helpful, but there it was. Let us know if it was. Let it know. Make comments. Do the thing. Share the, do the thing. Share the thing. Do all the things. And uh, we love you. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you later.